Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's the Wes Bryan Show, ladies and gentlemen. Ah! It's the Bryant Etts. <laughs> it's fully Wes with you for the next three hours. Even if I'm just in the background, even if Fiddy is in the background, we're still high off of college football injected oh, in my veins. I'm glad I came back. I almost overdosed, but I'm back, baby. <laughs> we're back from getting high off of college football. Yes, we are. What an opening weekend. I told you, I'm as excited for the 2023 college football season as I have been in a long time for college football. And boy, did it deliver on all fronts. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your weekend. Let's get it. How did it go? Hit the text line, 704-570-9610. We already have people texting congratulations to Wes because this is someone that had been trying to tell us that Duke was going to win. They were going to beat Clemson all offseason. Nobody can front on this. I mean, Wes was telling you, good God, like in April, I mean, <laughs> we have to go so far, so far at the beginning of the offseason. He was telling Riley Leonard to his face on the microphone at ACC kickoff. I got y'all winning. He doubled down. He told you a million times. And not only did Duke beat Clemson last night, they eventually ended up rolling and they didn't even play amazingly so. Mm. They beat Clemson, and there were still a decent amount of mistakes made by that Duke football team. But not only are we going to talk about the Duke upset over Clemson, we have a lot of other college football games to discuss. That's what made the weekend so fun. The border war, who's the real Carolina, North Carolina, they stood up on Saturday in the city of Charlotte. Speaking of the city of Charlotte, the 49ers get the first victory of the Biff Pogey era. It was so much fun, man. How are you feeling, Wes? I, I mean, it it's just a football you. buffet. I mean, it just started Saturday. And the crazy part was we didn't necessarily have a big marquee matchup. Florida State LSU, I guess you could say, was the main course of the weekend when you talk about main event matchups, top 10 teams. But it was just full of storylines. Colorado, Florida State, Ohio State looking suspect. North Carolina's defense I mean, you just have stories galore. This is why we're in this business. This is why you wake up every day ready to go. This is why I'm off a little bit of sleep, but I am charged. Why are we so – we're all tired and we're all jacked. Charged. All three of us. Charged. Because you know when you come into work, like you said, this is a show that pretty much sells itself. Fitty. How's your voice doing, bud? <laughs> oh, dude, it's perfect back here, baby. Okay. I mean, what are you talking about? I, I just wanted to know because I watched that recap video with you and Flounder after the game. And Flounder, professional, 
I mean, he was hitting all the high notes, the inflection, the cadence. He was giving it to us like a real good host. And then he kicked it to you in the car. Like this was, I I loved everything about the recap video after college game day, after watching the Duke's Mayo Bowl between North and South Carolina. And then Fitty trying to fit in the frame of the camera because it's so close to them while they're filming in the car, looking off in the distance. And I didn't have a whole lot of energy from Fitty because he was so tired, but also was so happy about the Tar Heels getting a dub in opening weekend. You know, look, man, I, I called my dude out last week when he picked South Carolina to win the game. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I got to come back and call him out again because he came on the same airwaves and pleaded for fans to show up, <clears throat> which they didn't, but then didn't even cheer like I cheered. I mean, I was so exhausted <laughs> in the middle of the second quarter, you know, and that's that's what it was about. But no, man, it was God, it was it was a lot of fun. And I think we might just have a defense in Chapel Hill. You might. You might. Hell, let's talk a little bit more about it, shall we? I'm ready. I want to hear some deep cover. Go ahead, Fitty. Open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. Hell yeah, you do. I got something to say. <laughs> Kick it. I feel it. Let's go around the studio. There's a lot to choose from. There it is. I want to start with you, Wes Bryant. What was the most important result from the weekend that you saw, sir? Was it Duke? North Carolina? Was it Colorado? We do have some college football to talk about out on the West. Mm-hmm. 13-0, the Pac-4 is. Used to be the Pac-12, RIP. <laughs> Florida State, Trouts in LSU, especially in the second half. Lots to choose from, Wes. Not a wrong answer. You tell me what you think the right one is. Most important? Yeah, uh, let's get into it because my favorite would definitely be Colorado that we'll get into. But the most important, I feel like, for the ACC's sake that we cover here on this station ad nauseum, it's Florida State for sure. Because we saw last night that Clemson Tigers do not look like a CFP squad. So the ACC's only hope at this point is going to be the Florida State Seminoles. So before I talk my talk later in the show, I've got to take the L because I picked LSU to win this game. And I thought if Florida State did win, it was going to be a tight one. But not only did they win, they demolished them. And I'm going to keep it a buck. Skill, talent. It looked like back in the day, that receiving core of Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson Good God Almighty. Walker, you could go out there and get you three to four tuds with those guys. Thank I you. was sitting there when Florida State got inside the 10. Everybody in the stadium knew what was coming. When you play Florida State and they get inside the 10, a fade is coming, and it's probably not much you could do about it. To a 6'7 receiver that can jump and another 6'4 receiver that can jump and play the 50-50 ball well. The skill talent is crazy. They look like they have a really good offensive line. If Jordan Travis can play like he played in the second half and not in the first half, Florida State looks like they will be in the mix. Wes, I thought Trey Benson looked good, and the dude didn't even rush for 50 yards, but he was breaking tackles yeah. to get to that 50 yards, which is something that he does. They didn't even rely on him. Hell, here you are talking about Johnny Wilson. They're throwing to 
the wide receiver that isn't 6'7 in the end zone. I would say Johnny Wilson, you could argue, may have even had a bad game, especially in the first half Mm -hmm. when he was dropping these passes. Now, bad seems a little strong, but certainly had a couple of drop passes that would have extended their drives. And Keon Coleman, nothing was bad about what he did in this game. Mm -hmm. What a monster performance. Three tutties, hat trick. All right, West Coast, Florida State. I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to get Fitty's thoughts on this as well. Are you going to go with the North Carolina Tar Heels for the most important result, or are you going to go with the Seminoles? Somewhere else. You know, as much as my heart wants to say Carolina beating South Carolina rather easily on Saturday night, the answer is Florida State because it validated everything they did at the end of last year, winning six straight games. We wanted to know if they were for real, and the game wasn't even close in the second half. I mean, at halftime, we thought we were going to have another dramatic classic between these two programs, both that were trying to get back to the college football playoff. And Florida State just has more dudes than LSU does. And it was very evident. I think you got a legit Heisman Trophy winner, a trophy winner in Jordan Travis at quarterback. You got dudes in running back, wide receiver. Jared Verse is a grown ass man. Florida State is back, and college football is better for it. And what a stupid game plan by LSU to not rush Hell Perkins, a guy that people are comparing to Micah Parsons, and you relegate him to being a spy on Jordan Travis. Shame on you, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Somebody that I don't like, but admit is one of the best coaches in all of college football, got outcoached in a dramatic fashion in this game against Florida State. Too busy talking to the media, running his mouth. He did. I heard about after the game how he was talking that talk on the radio. Come on, dog. And And Mike Norvell, he's wanting to make that jump. Last year, he set a nice foundation for himself. But everybody was still waiting to see them take this kind of jump, and they did right off of the bat. What you love from Florida State is all ACC kickoff, Wes. You Mm -hmm. heard it. Fiddy heard it. I heard it. Listeners did as well. They didn't back down at all. They wanted all the smoke. Mm -hmm. They were so open about it. Yeah, we want the pressure. We're here. Jared Verse talking to you. Loved that interview. Monster. Guy was so open. And got a forced fumble. Everybody, oh, okay, he's getting held in check a little bit. Boom! (laughs) Bye. Football's ours now. But, Walk, let me give you your flowers, though, man, because you deserve to bask in the glory as well when you said that Carolina's defense would step up. Now, we will see if this continues, but, man, nine sacks, man, you already got half, over half of what you had all of last year, so I got to give love for that. I was thinking about that as I watched the game. It's going to be a big old long session today. I said, Walker, definitely (laughs) said Carolina's defense would step up. We'll see if it's fool's gold because we talked about in the South Carolina team week how many they had to replace four out of five linemen, discombobulated. But nonetheless, Carolina's defense took advantage of it like you should. If you're worth the assault, we'll find out as we go down the road if they are worth the assault. So things I was right and wrong about. I said Spencer Rattler would throw for less yards than he did in the last three games of the season. Mm -hmm. More notably, 246 against Notre Dame. That didn't quite happen. But we did see the defense get after Spencer Rattler a lot. Lot, even though he threw for a decent amount of yards, that defensive line yeah, he was 30 for <laughs> 39. Came in Rucker, he looked really good. So there, there were a lot of things to like about North Carolina. But my answer for most important result, right? Mm-hmm. Most important result, it was Duke Clemson to me. Okay, here's why. Wes, you've been high on Duke this entire offseason. We're going to be talking about it a lot, probably every segment. <laughs> <laughs> but Duke showed that we also have dogs. I mean. 
we all knew Riley Leonard was good and underrated. That was the storyline coming in. Even nationally, ESPN tried to pub Riley. If you don't know, now you know. He's the QB that is going to be possibly climbing up this NFL prospect ladder. Saw Jordan Reed of ESPN talking about it. This was a slept-on giant, and he awoke. So not necessarily crazy there. We like Jalen Calhoun. We had him on the show. We said he's a good receiver. But, Wes, they got talent all across the board. Yes. Their defense, they have a lot of returning starters, but they were beating dudes one-on-one. Duke's defense was matching up with Clemson's wide receivers, mano a mano, and wrecking them. These wide receivers for Clemson could not get separation, and that's why it's the important result. So we learned a lot about Florida State in the ACC in that game against LSU, but we learned a lot about Duke, and we learned a lot about Clemson in that game. Clemson, even if they even if they lose and you think a little bit of them is going to come back, they don't look like a college football playoff team. Not at all. Those receivers don't look good. We can go into the details on Cade Klubnick, Garrett Riley. I know there's some blame to be spread around here. For me, I look at that wide receiver group. I look at that skill position group, and I think they don't have anybody that's going to go to the NFL. They don't have anybody that is going to be worthy of, what, a top four, five-round pick? And then we can get into the transfer portal stuff. That's the most important result to me. Clemson doesn't look like a college football playoff team. And Duke looks like y'all need to be ready for an ACC championship appearance for the Blue Devils. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I knew that sports is so psychological. It just, and we'll get into it like we said, I just didn't understand how people could look at a 9-1 football team. But, oh, I do understand because I graduated and played football at Wake Forest. So I know exactly how that could happen. Not that we Mm. did it, but... People just looked at Duke as little old Duke, and they had a lucky season. Dog, they won nine games. They beat the brakes off one of the best group of five teams of the last decade at the end of their season. And then they had to sit around all offseason, see that they were ranked eighth, seventh in the ACC, see their quarterback not making any preseason all-ACC teams. But oh, Wes Bryant. He put Riley Leonard, number three in the ACC, top 25 players, coming back into this season. And yes, now I did say I took the L on FSU. And before I miss a bunch of picks going forward, I'm going to get wild up in here. Talk talk to talk. You know today. what I'm saying? Today is your day. I knew <laughs> that Riley Leonard was that guy. Y'all found out last night that third down run. Woo! Yeah. Oh. All right, there's more. I mean, come on, save, baby. I'm just some. getting warmed up. You're good. Save some. <laughs> save some. That the is... church organ is playing in the background. I'm about to break my rag out and start wiping my forehead right. in a little All while. Right, before Wes catches the Holy Ghost, we're going to move <laughs> on and go to a little bit of Carolina Panther conversation. Don't worry. Oh, man. We still have a lot of college football to get to the campus corner at the end of the hour. We have college football quick hits in the 1 o'clock hour as well. But I want to do a fun game, mild, medium, spicy takes with the Panthers because it is is Panthers game week, which is also really exciting. Stay tuned on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I might it do is, it every second. It's going to be back. an exciting show. <laughs> there, we are only scratching the surface. We already have people. Vin Greasy wrote in on the text line 704-570-9610. A call like that, brother, you're just getting started. We told Wes to chill out just a little bit to save some for the rest of the show because he was starting to go in, pounding his chest, discussing the Duke call. Him calling Duke to pull off that upset against Clemson. So we do have a lot more show to get to. I like how Coach Polly wrote in on the text line. How soon until Dabo is an Alabama coordinator? <laughs> That's not going to happen. Clemson fans, let's not get to the slander. This oh, man took have. y'all to levels that you could not dream of. Don't get uh, unappreciative. But I don't think the jokes are... At, at least in the masses coming from Clemson fans. Mm-hmm. I think they're still hiding for the most part. Yeah. I think for the most part, we're going to get some text. The faces I saw last night. Woo! We're going to get some text for sure. But I think the most, most of the people that are hurling jokes Clemson's way are everybody that's are tired of seeing the Tigers win. Yeah, the ops. We're, we're seeing a lot of that. <laughs> um, we have a couple of other texts. 704 said, um, I think this might be the most perfect weekend in college football ever. The teams I wanted to lose lost, and the teams I wanted to win won every single one of them. Now, South Carolina fans showed up this weekend better than Car- North Carolina fans did. Mm-hmm. But North Carolina got that victory. And I don't I want to talk Panthers here because there's gonna be so no, much more Panthers. college football. We got football college stuff. football. Let's hit there's Panthers. So many Man, interesting game week, NFL. We got big boy ball coming fuzz. But, but seven oh four is is right. It was such a fun weekend. It delivered in every facet. And, and even with some blowouts. I mean, Duke ended up separating themselves from Clemson, but it was still exciting. Florida State LSU still exciting. I will put a lot of that on Colorado. Yeah. I tweeted I haven't been this excited about something new in college football in quite some time, man, because it's easy. We've been rocked to sleep. Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, same old stuff. We got new blood. We got a coach that's talking that talk. We got superstars. We got somebody that's done it in a totally different way than it's been done. I mean, just riveting. This is what we want. This is why NFL and NBA have been – Great because of the storylines and all of the things that comes with it week to week. College football, man, we got storylines week to week. You you sitting here telling me Colorado's not gonna be the most watched team this season? Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter were absolutely outrageous. Come on, man. What they did, I'm um, we're not even I, I, I I'm sorry. That's what I say. I'm sorry. We're gonna get off on it. We could have just a whole college football show for three Hold hours if we back. wanted to. Hold me back. If we wanted to. Panthers, now, go. <laughs> Cut that college music Cut off. that college off. It's coming back on in a little bit. We're going to feed the masses, but it's time to talk Panthers. I was listening to the Mina Kimes podcast featuring Lenny. Okay. And you like featuring Lenny every time I put it. Got to put the dog in there. That's the title. Hey, I'm, I'm, giving, the, I'm giving the dog some love, uh, of course. I was listening to that podcast, and I thought that they had an interesting concept with Dominique Foxworth, Mina Kimes, and Lenny, along with Bill Barnwell. <laughs> And what they did was they did a home and home and home where they went around and they discussed a mild, a medium, and a spicy take for the upcoming NFL season. So what's a mild take that you have? What's something that gets a little hotter? And then what's just outrageous too? Like what's, all right, you're tripping. Stop saying that. There's no way you believe that. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of takes. And so I wanted to give a mild one first here, Wes. I wanted to throw it on you and then you could throw something back at me. Okay. I think my mild Carolina Panthers take, if we are to adopt this because a lot of radio is stealing and that's okay, as long as we give credit. My mild take for the Carolina Panthers this upcoming season 
is that Jonathan Mingo leads the team in receiving yards. Ooh, I don't know if that's mild. What do you think? It's medium or hot? That's kind of spicy. How spicy do you think it is? Uh, that's probably like a, it's probably like a nice um, medium wing at like a Buffalo Wild Wings that 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 you get a little sweet heat, get that tingle in the back of the throat to know, okay, I'm going to need this drink I have. Do, do we need milk for this wing? or do Not we, milk, okay. but, you know, you're just glad you have your soda gotcha. or your water right there. All right. Here's why I think Jonathan Mingo could lead this team in receiving yards and with that being a mild take. Okay. We know about Adam Thielen's age. When Adam Thielen is the guy that might be the security blanket for Bryce Young, we've seen him already decline in downfield targets. We're talking about one of the guys that had among the worst depths of you know yards per route run last year. But he's going to be a first down guy. So I don't think that he's going to rack up a ton of yards. For instance, it might take you know every once in a while two catches to equal what Mingo provides. I think this preseason, mm-hmm. the most separation we saw was from Jonathan Mingo. Anytime that he was going mano a mano against any cornerback, I think they want to scheme him. I think there's going to be a decent amount of avenues to exploit with somebody that talented. I just think there are a lot of areas that Mingo can get involved. And we have seen younger wide receivers. Now we had this debate earlier in the off season. I don't think Mingo gives you DJ Moore production with a good QB, right? 1100 yards, 800, almost 900 last year with rotation or a rotation of QBs that is barely even in the NFL. Still, we have two backups and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And one guy that got cut in P.J. Walker. Those guys were throwing our receivers the football last year. Two backups and a third stringer. But with Mingo coming in, almost first-round pick, I think he can lead the team in receiving yards and maybe even all-purpose just comparing him to the other wide receivers. D.J. Chark injury history. LaVisca's not going to be a threat. TMJ injury history. That's why I have it as a mild take. Okay. And that's why I think Mingo is the one I'm going to roll with here with my first one. Um, I could see that, though. That's plausible because if he starts to become more and more trusted by Bryce Young, which I think Bryce has a pretty good amount of trust in him already. Yeah. This is a guy that has really good yak value to him, which is what we've seen already. And I think this is a guy that, uh, especially on a maybe not necessarily a check down, but on a shorter intermediate route, Bryce will look for him as well because he knows he can turn that into something larger. Uh, if I was to go with a mild take, uh, I would just say that if Bryce Young is protected well, uh, then he will play well. That will be my mild take there uh, because I just think that what we saw in the offseason from him, even though it wasn't a, a ton, a huge sample size, but we did see that he didn't turn the ball over. We did see he's capable of scanning the field, getting to second and third reads, maybe sometimes even fourth reads. Like, this is a guy that's ready to play NFL football based off what we saw in the preseason. He makes the right decisions pretty much most of the time. I won't say all of the time. He'll definitely have his share of mistakes. But this is a guy that makes the right decision more times than not. So I think that he will be dependable as long as they can keep him upright. Okay. No, I I think Bryce Young, basically you're saying it's not going to be on Bryce Young if it's not a great season. Sure. It's going to be on everything else around him, and it starts up front if that offensive line continues to have the problems that they did this preseason. All right, let's go to that medium wing. Okay. My medium take, Wes, is that Dante Jackson has the best season of his NFL career. Ooh. Is that a little hot? Yeah, man. That's a spicy take, too. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. This is why I think that. Okay. We only saw one game. 
We only saw one game from him. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. But he was really good. He had a pass breakup. I thought he got down and dirty in the run game, had a great tackle, and was right there in coverage where Zach Wilson had to throw it away. Three good plays. Dante Jackson isn't crazy old. He's going to be 28 this season. He's not quite 28. He'll be 28 in November. So I still think young enough to be productive. Here's the other thing. The NFC South used to have monsters at receivers all across the board. Every team had two. You still have good wide receiver talent here, but not nearly as strong as what it used to be. The Atlanta Falcons, they used to have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Now they have Drake London, but the other receiver Dante Jackson is going to be covering, whoever it may be. I'm okay with that. Going to Tampa Bay. Don't like Dante Jackson's uh, matchup against either one of those guys. I think either one of those guys are big. They're physical. They're going to be able to eat on Dante. But who's to say Mike Evans even plays for Tampa Bay? It looks bad right now with both sides. It looks like Mike Evans is the type of guy that could get traded. Jason Light is someone that I respect as a general manager over there with the Buccaneers. They could get out in front of this, recoup some assets, trade Mike Evans. J.C. Horn now goes on Chris Godwin. They run a lot of slot stuff with Chris Godwin, too. So maybe Dante follows, but I mean, or, or JC, whatever. But for me, Dante Jackson at that point doesn't have to cover a Godwin. So then we go to New Orleans. That's where it gets tough. Alave and Michael Thomas. But Mike Thomas can body Dante all day. But I was listening to that podcast again, and they talked about Michael Thomas. Carlton Davis had the insult to Mike Thomas being the slant god. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the slant god. And. You know, Dante can keep Michael in front of him if that's the matchup. But, I mean, hell, if Chris Olave is going downfield, maybe you switch that up. That would be an interesting thing. And I just think Dante, with the Jero Averro, getting good cornerback play from the Denver Broncos organization. It's all about the if healthy caveat, right? Mm. That's my medium take about Dante. He has his best season as a Carolina Panther. Okay, uh, now this is the guy, the only reason I, I scoff a little bit at that because this is the guy since 2020, he's digressed uh, each season. That was his best season as far as analytically, 74, 70.4 grade from PFF after that, 61.3 and then a 55.0, and he's given up almost 70% uh, of receptions in his career when you talk about the amount of targets thrown in him and the amount of receptions given up. But if I was to go with a medium take uh, for this squad is that uh, I would say that I'll go with my takes from early in the offseason. I think Adam Thielen uh, establishes himself as the number one receiver here. And I think that he's capable of getting a thousand yards if he's able to play in the majority of the games. I just so think the that thousand yards is is the real spice. It, it's the, it, that's the pepper. So that's spicy for you. Is that no, a little kick? No, I think I think Adam Thielen reaching a thousand yards is a good medium take because he hasn't done it in a long time. And this is someone that is getting older. We've just, I just talked to you a little bit about why I had the mild take being Mingo as the leading receiver, even if he doesn't reach a thousand. And Bagel Guy said on the text line, Walker, when you say Mingo can lead the team in yards, are you saying one thousand and more? Because if you're saying seven hundred yards, that's kind of weak. Yeah, but I don't. He doesn't go in as the default receiver number one this yeah. year. And I didn't say it was crazy spicy. This is on the children's menu. This is so your seven-year-old at the wing place can eat something and feel like he's a part of the grown-up <laughs> table, but really it's not the Braveheart wings at Wild Wings. No doubt. So that's why I brought it that way. That's why I thought. But, yeah, 1,000 yards for Thielen, I feel like it's a good medium take. Yeah, because I think that, you know, when you look at the preseason and 
uh, the receptions and the connection that it seems like they already have. It looks like he's Bryce's safety net at this point. It looks like he's the guy that Bryce is going to look for because I feel like he can trust him the most at this point because we know Adam Thielen's route running has been uh, championed throughout the offseason. I think this is a guy that Bryce knows, especially if it gets hot back there in the pocket. If it gets spicy in the pocket, he knows that he can find 19 out there, get him to rock, and more than likely he's going to come down with it. All right, this is my spicy one. This one, it's uh, it's hard to see the vision, but I'm going to try my best with everybody, okay? Okay. This is the, this is the I talked about Braveheart. This is Carolina Reaper. Whew, I hope you're okay to be in an hour of pain. This is the one you have to sign the medical disclaimer. All right, here we go. Spicy take. <laughs> Carolina's passing offense will finish in the top half of the league this year. Okay. You don't even think that's all that spicy? Uh, well, good, because when you say top half, I mean, that could be 15, 14, which is respectable. But if we get in the top 10 territory, that's when I need to reach okay. for my water with lemon. Here's why I think it's here's why I think it's spicy. You get in this weird area where you're trying to defend the spiciness of it, and then you're arguing yourself. I don't want to get too lost in the weeds there. Wes, the offenses look really good this year. If you look at the NFL last year, the 2022 total passing yards per game, if you got to 220, 220 yards passing per game, that was good enough for top half. That means if you times that by 17, you're looking at about 3,800 yards for Bryce Young, which isn't crazy, right? Until you start to look at all of the offenses and the teams that got better and the quarterbacks that you think are going to be better. So the teams that finished in the bottom, in the bottom third of last year, Chicago, Atlanta, Tennessee, those are going to be teams I expect to still be towards the bottom. Baltimore, I think Baltimore is, I mean, they're going to step up in the passing game. I mean, that's why they got Todd Munkin and all the wide receivers. So I expect Baltimore, who was the fifth worst passing offense in total yards per game last year, I don't expect that to happen for them. The Rams, if Cooper Cup is healthy and Matthew Stafford is healthy, even if they don't have a lot of talent, it's not crazy to bet on Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford above Bryce Young and Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, whoever the receiver number that one. Hamstring, right? Do you trust Daniel Jones to take a big step up? Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, two stud wide receivers. I expect Pittsburgh. These are all bottom third and half teams that I expect to take a step up. And if you listen to national podcasts, national pundits, everyone is bleeping on the Carolina Panthers right now. No one believes in their offense. People are taking big time takeaways from the preseason. Bryce Young having his breakout game against Detroit, and it was a touchdown and a field goal against Detroit's second stringers. This is what people are pointing to. But I think 3,800 yards is within the realm of possibility for Bryce. I think that passing, that pass blocking for the offensive line, coming back together, finding that continuity, Corbett is expected to come back at some point, so maybe this is a second-half team. That's why I think the spicy take is that Carolina finishes in the top half of the passing yards per game. Okay. I mean, I like that because that means the offensive line definitely comes around. Now, it could mean a few things because that could mean, too, Carolina's trailing in a lot of games, so they need to throw the ball to be able to catch up, which pads the stats. Or it could mean that the offensive line is playing well, keeping Bryce upright. Uh, For my spicy take right here, I'm going to go with Frankie Louvu being the best player in Carolina's front seven this season. Okay. 
You look at a guy, 111 tackles, seven sacks, 19 tackles for loss in this new defense with Ejero Evero to where they're going to do a lot of things to confuse defenses or offenses, excuse me, with him in the middle of that defense, not on the outside like he was in the 4-3, but having him in the middle of that defense, but doing a lot of different things with him, allowing him to be super disruptive. We already see the fact he led the team in tackles for loss last year, and I think that this season – uh, Brian Burns, we're going to get into that for sure. That's a weird situation as we look at it yeah, right now. Really I'm not sure he has the type of season he's capable of because maybe it doesn't start for a couple of weeks. And then Derek Brown, like I said, I think he's going to be effective, but his role is going to be different in a 34 if they play that base uh, a decent amount of the time. And I, and I think that as far as coaches, when they look at the impact he has, it'll be there. But I think for fans, maybe when they look at the numbers, they might not see what they saw or what they're expecting. So I'm going to go with Frankie Louvu to have the gaudiest numbers out of that front seven and be that guy, play himself into a big payday this offseason. All right. Mm. I, I want to hear from the text line. <laughs> Is this, you know, tell us how spicy it was. Were we trying to hype up? The spice level on our takes. Vinny, what do you think? I mean, do you think those were, for the most part, in the category that we dubbed our takes? No, I mean, I wouldn't think so because I, like, had some internally in my head. Like, my mile was probably Bryce wins rookie of the year. Ooh, yeah. My medium was that they win the division, which I've been saying all offseason long. For spicy, like, you know, you don't have them going to the NFC title game. So, like, you know, you, you didn't go. I mean, that's, well, that's, uh, that's just basically eating radioactive lava. That's what you're eating. I mean, if they're NFC, t- look, I told you, right? Like, I I know the NFC is weak, but that one's hot for sure. Yeah, so, it would be the spiciest. We just say the most outlandish stuff too, and it just be spicy. But I gotta believe it. I gotta believe it yeah. a little bit. You know, but it's a very good scene set for what you think we're gonna see on the field on Sundays. Thank you. That voice is uh, <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's fighting. It's fighting. <laughs> All right. It's fighting. Do you, do you have enough voice in you for a, a first fifty flash of the day? Don't take away my air time. Okay. No, that's why I ask. All right. Go ahead. Hit it. It's all right to be a little pity. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little pity. Why? Uh, some news coming out of the mothership. Former guest on the show, Chris Mortensen, has retired after 33 years covering the NFL. Just put a little post up on Twitter. You know, not going to do the whole... You know, Coach K thing, make it about himself for a year-long retirement. But <laughs> yeah, I, want, I do want the farewell tour for Mort. <laughs> uh, I do. He, he has retired. And then I guess my news item, um, just more trouble for the Georgia Bulldogs football, football program. Over the weekend, Jarvis Jones was arrested on charges of reckless driving. Um, 24 hours after the season-opening win over Tennessee Martin. Too many Hellcats. Since they won their second national championship. 12 players and coaches associated with the program have been arrested. Like, we all made yeah, fun. Yeah, it's crazy. We all wanted the Swamp Kings documentary. <laughs> we're we're going to have to go to Athens 15 years from now and look back on what's going on with, with, with that program. Yeah, not to make light of what Jalen Carter had, but those boys are the fast and the furious. That would be the name of their 30 for 30 because <laughs> uh, when I watched the pivot, they were talking about how many Georgia players Shannon Crowder had brought up how many players he saw from Georgia pulling up in Hellcats. And for those of you who don't know, my son's a car aficionado. I like cars as well. But uh, Hellcats are supercharged up Dodge Chargers or Challengers. 
And when you see that cat on the side of it, that means they go real fast. And they said Georgia players had those aplenty. They're out there pushing those things a little bit too much on those streets. Well, and plus, let's just, we don't have to give you any more details. It's called a Hellcat. Right. <laughs> Good. I understand. Yeah. Everything you need to know about it, I understand just from the title <laughs> of the vehicle. All right. Campus Corner time. Corner! Wes brags a little more. It's coming up next. <laughs> Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. me Clemson to win. I think Duke covers, but Clemson wins. Wonder if they're thinking four down territory here. If they don't pick this up on third down and three. Design run for Leonard, and he's able to break a tackle to get the first down and more. Leonard inside the 20, stiff arms and a fender inside the five and into the end zone. It's a touchdown. What a play by Riley Leonard. One of the best plays of week one. 44 yard scamper for a score. And look, as much as I'd love for Duke to win the game and see this this paranoid, sensitive Clemson fan base unravel, I don't think that happens. I don't think it's close. I think I, I think Clemson rolled. Tigers and make a statement to the rest of the ACC to start the season. So I've got them winning that one. Down goes Clemson. The Devils win it 28-7. Like I said, 18 starters coming back from a 9-4 football team. You get them game number one where your fan base is as rabid as they're going to be all season long thinking about the what-ifs. They believe in Riley Leonard. They believe in Coach Elko. And that's why I think up in that environment, it powers the Blue Devils to an opening week upset. All right, well, <laughs> did we overdo it? I mean, no, I appreciate I appreciate you. No, because people did think that I was delusional the whole offseason. <laughs> when I was on Michael Felder's podcast and I said this, they said, whoa, whoa. Everybody thought that I was a bit delusional <laughs> in my picks. And, you know, last night it was just really cool to see it happen, man. We don't get everything right, but sometimes we do get it right. I had a whole different uh topics listed for this but now we're going to get into it let's do it since we're here we're here okay let's get it cracking i told y'all that a nine and four football team that beat the brakes off one of the best group of five teams of the last decade ended their season had to sit around you had to hear about how you were the seventh or eighth best team even though you had 18 starters returning you had to hear how big bad clemson had garrett riley as their offensive coordinator k klebnik was going to morph into deshaun watson and they were going to come in and steamroll the duke blue devils you had to hear about how clemson was a 13-point favorite that moved up from 12 to start this game. You heard how Clemson was just going to come in there and roll, and it was going to be business as usual. 
But oh no, folks, I tried to tell you about Riley Leonard. <laughs> I tried to tell you about the Duke offense. I tried to tell you about Graham Barton, one of the best offensive tackles in the country. I tried to tell you about Dwayne Carter. At the ACC Digital Network, we put together the top 25 players returning, the best returning players of the season. Duke had multiple guys in there, four to be exact. Jalen Calhoun, okay, he was in the bottom rungs in the 20s. But then we had Graham Barton, Dwayne Carter, and Riley Leonard all in the top 10. Now, let's get to the game. I saw the first three plays of this game when Clemson handed the ball off three consecutive times. I said to myself, they are not comfortable with with Cade Klubnick throwing the football. That was my first red flag of this Clemson offense. And then... He proceeded a couple of plays later to put the ball in the hands of a Duke defender. I said at that point, Clemson is in trouble. And then when Duke was up a score, I said all they need to do is kick a field goal and this game field goal and this game is sealed. Then when I get back after getting a burrito, after being famished, <laughs> going to tailgates, interviewing fans, working in the heat all day. I hear my take on ACC Network because I talked to one of the analysts and I said the same take about the first three plays of the game. And I hear it on ACC Network. And I said, that's how I know. Oh, no, they stole. That's how I know. They stole your take. That's why I told my girl. I said, baby, you remember this? I said, listen to this. And I said, this is how I know. But the Duke Blue Devils came out. They handled their business. But I knew that Clemson was not comfortable with Cade Klubnick. And I started calling. I I just got a feel for the game as it went on. I knew once, especially when Duke got up 21-7, I said, this game now is going to fall on the back of K. Klubnik, and he is not ready. I said, an interception is coming. What happened? He threw an interception. Even though it was a ricochet, he still threw an interception. And I knew after that point he was not going to be effective. K. Klubnik is just not that guy. He's a good athlete. But he's not the passer that Clemson has had. They tried to put the pressure on him to be the next Deshaun, to be the next Trevor. He's not ready for that, man. And this Clemson offense, like you said, there's some blame to go around. The skill talent is average outside of Will Shipley. Uh, This program is in trouble. They don't have an offense capable of getting to the college football playoffs. Now, I will give myself a little bit of a nail here because I still picked Clemson to go to Charlotte and play Duke again. But I'm not so sure that's going to happen after what I saw from Florida State and Clemson's offense. They're just not ready. All right, so let's sit here with this game. And there's plenty of other storylines to get to. My takeaway from this game, number one, is the skill guys aren't ready. I think if we go and we try to go to the pie chart, remember the pie chart? I always say, Fitty, don't eat the pie chart. Remember that was back in the day. Don't eat the pie chart, Fitty. No, it's a piece of cardboard. Don't do it. But if we were to play the blame game, How much of it goes to Cade? How much of it goes to the offensive line? Dabo Sweeney, Garrett Riley, all that stuff. I don't think that Cade is sharing the the main responsibility. I don't even think it's really Garrett Riley. Mm -hmm. I think what you're seeing most most here is Dabo Sweeney and the wide receivers and the skill players more so. Because I think the offensive line, we talked about it a little bit. They were better at run blocking than pass protection in my opinion. But... There weren't many sacks that they gave up to Kate Klubnik. Like, the offensive line looks good enough to me. 
I I think Cade Klubnik, oh, I know this is tough. I think he looks good enough. I don't think the receivers are good at all, Wes. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest problem. It's I don't think there's any help. Forget an alpha. Forget number one. I need somebody to show that they can be wide receiver number two in a high-flying offense. Because you didn't see that from Bo Collins. You didn't see that from Antonio Williams. I think Will Shipley is a good player. I don't think he is a New York City, everybody watch out. He might be in the Heisman race. I don't think he's that. I think he's a really good college player. I don't think he's a Heisman guy. I like Phil Maffa. The best thing about their offense is probably their running backs and their running game. I think they're going to rely a lot on that as long as they don't fumble in the red zone. But you had a few drops. I thought there was some decent throws from Cade Klumnick to the outside of the numbers. They got dropped. There were drops for sure. And they didn't even have separation on some of those throws. Wes, Duke was saying, hey, our cornerbacks. I mean, think of how crazy this is. Our corners. We're going to line up. Man coverage. We don't need no help. Man coverage. And you have to beat us that way. Usually, that is a disaster of a game plan. But Mike Elko can scheme it up. Mike Elko is proving time and time again that this guy is a defensive genius, dare I say. And now what we're getting from him on top of what is a bad skill group with the Clemson offense, you know, I think I think Clemson's going to be in a lot of trouble because of the wide receivers, because of the lack of talent they have, tight ends, pass catching whatsoever. And I don't know if Kate Klubnick, even if I don't think that there's a lot of responsibility for him, I don't think he's good enough to overcome the lack of skill talent that some of these top-tier QBs have to be, he's not in that realm. And I would have to agree with you on that, and I'll also give credit to Graham Barton, Justin Pickett, Jacob Monk, Maurice McIntyre, and Jake Hornibrook. Duke's offensive line, man, they were phenomenal. Yeah. Shut down Clemson. They have now not relinquished a sack in two consecutive games dating back to the Military Bowl against Central Florida. They really came out. Now, Duke's defensive line definitely, and their front seven definitely provided pressure. Riley Leonard was not comfortable back there all night throwing the football, but they weren't able to get home and get a sack, maybe force fumbles and different things of that nature. And so that's the thing that you saw there. And I know that Clemson fans – you have to look at the, the the talent, like you said, and then Garrett Riley. Still, at the end of the day, I know there were plenty of fans who were saying we got rid of Brandon Streeter after one season, paid this guy one point seven five million, and he's supposed to come in and fix. I'm doing air quotes. Fix the offense didn't work out for him. Seven points. Yeah. Last thing as we move on, you know how people will give you the caveat they were the better team that day. That ain't true. Duke's no, it's the not. better team. Duke is the better team. I don't need the that. Grizzled veterans. That, they were the better team. It was amazing to watch. No doubt. Well, when we come back on the Wes and Walker show, we're going to get back into the Carolina Panthers. Brian Burns' contract situation, man. This is a real thing. We're going to talk about that and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.